You're listening to MHD Off the Record South LA Highlights, where I, Siobhan Taylor, speak with local organizations, small businesses, and individuals doing amazing work in South LA. Here, we uplift and highlight their work while keeping you informed of the resources available in our community. On this episode, we speak with Danielle Lafayette, founder and executive director of United Nation Inc., an award-winning nonprofit organization with the vision to close the wealth and achievement gap for black and low-income communities in South Los Angeles. United Nations resources include mentoring, life skills programs, financial literacy programs, employment resources, job readiness, and training. Their mission, to change the world by building a social movement and driving positive community and economic empowerment. Enjoy the show. Welcome, Danielle Lafayette. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. I'm glad to have you. Thank you. Um, Glad to be here. Man, listen, um, I have been learning about your organization because you do some significant work. First of all, you touch on so many aspects of addressing the issues that we have here in South LA, such as employment, housing, education. And I'm so curious to know what even inspired you to begin United Nation. Um, okay, so what inspired me to begin United Nation? I actually started, so I guess I'll start with neighborhood councils. I was the chair of a neighborhood council, actually in this area, the Empowerment Congress West area um, neighborhood council. And on that neighborhood council, so I grew up in South LA, born and raised. And so I realized that the generations were, it wasn't multi-generational the way that I, I would have liked it to be. When you say that, what do you mean? I was the youngest person on the neighborhood council. And at that time, I think I was 28, 29 years old. And so every, it was a, I don't want to say everybody's age, but it was (laughs) pretty much baby boomers on, yeah, a lot of elders on the neighborhood council. And I just felt like the voices of the younger generation was not being heard. And in even my generation, I guess I was seen as a young person at that time, which I was like, I'm not young. And so I think that was like, my my issue and I'm like wait but we have super young people in our community our our youth and so just seeing that that voice was not being heard within the neighborhood council system and seeing that it was such a great vehicle for voices to be heard um really led me to start uh, my organization um because I was also taking the neighborhood council and making it more intergenerational. So I actually got youth on our neighborhood council. I made it actually like multi-generational neighborhood council. We really changed our board and just really made a lot of differences on our on our board. And we really started to tackle the issues within our community, like homelessness and housing and um, renters' rights and all these things that we were able to tackle because we had different voices and different perspectives. Um, and then I started the organization Um, to also bring community development into our schools. So I started that at Dorsey High School, where I graduated from, and just making sure that our youth understood that our community, what our community was doing with the community development and bringing both of those processes together. So you started off just seeing that, wait a minute, there's a gap, there's a generation gap, and even the involvement of people being here in our community, having a voice, saying, having a say in what happens in our community. And you wanted to bridge that. Yes. So then you, how did you go from that to creating United Nation? So then I guess I was starting to develop programs on the neighborhood council. And I realized like I'm developing all these programs. So I developed like re-entry programs and that was given to another organization. And then I developed like an arts program that was given to another organization. I was developing all these programs. I'm talking to elected officials and I'm like, you guys should do this or that. And I just had like, I guess all these ideas. And so I was giving all these ideas and I'm like, wait, I could actually 
have an organization and implement those ideas and work with elected officials in my community to bring those ideas to pass. Because I was also realizing that although they were doing them, there were still parts of it missing that I really felt like I could really bring into the process. Plus being from the community, from LA, born and raised, I'm not born and raised, but I was raised in the jungles. So I just felt like I could bring that perspective of like a native Angelino. I've never used that term before, but, <laughs> native, but it fits. Right. Native to LA. And so I just wanted to really bring my perspective into the work because I've experienced most of the things that I'm bringing into the community. That's interesting. I really love that you felt that there needed to be this other voice there. And you felt like, wait a minute, I can see that I can actually do this work myself. I don't have to just create it and give it away. Mm -hmm. I can also do the work myself. I can create the organization myself. I'm also curious to know how at 29, you felt inspired to join the Neighborhood Council. Well, even though you saw that it was mostly elders, what inspired you to join the Neighborhood Council? And then how did you then inspire other young people and even younger people to participate in the work of the Neighborhood Council? I actually, so I, I just wanted to understand what was happening. I think that's what it was. Like a lot of my friends, so I had went away to college and came back and um, had kids. I have two sons. And so understand, just even understanding how voting works, right? Like when I was in college, you get all these mailers in the mail. I'm like, what is this? You know, like, who are these elected officials? Who are these people? I just felt like there was so much going on and we weren't educated on that. Like we didn't understand, like even right now, I actually um, hired a person who's 28 and she's like, I don't understand what's going on. And so it that, I think it's just the understanding of like, what is happening in our community? And then I moved back into the jungles at that time and Baldwin Village is what they call it. Um, and so a lot of people that I grew up with were coming to me. Like, I'm like, that, it was interesting. Like, everybody's coming to me. Like, what is going on? We're getting ticketed. Like, if you park anywhere, like, everybody was getting ticketed. They had just did a lot of raids in the community. Um, the police did a lot of raids. Um, people were getting pushed out. You know, the the landlords were raising rents. It was just like, I think it was like a, an unseen chaotic time. And then everyone was asking me, which I was not on the neighborhood council at this time. I had just moved back in. And so, so many people were coming to me with this information. And mind you, when I was younger, I did, uh, I was like our teen rep, um, Jim Gilliam. So I don't know. I'm like, is, is that a connection? I don't know. But like, there was so much going on that it just really made me want to understand what was going on and then how could I help fix what was going on. And then I found out about the neighborhood council, which to me at that time seemed like such a secret society. Like no one wanted, like, I'm like, what is, that? I saw a paper about it, you know? And I'm like, what is this? And everybody's like, no one would answer. Like no one would give me an answer to the question of what the neighborhood councils were. And I would ask board members and like people who, and they wouldn't. And then finally, um, the, she was the, the director of the park, Denise, she's on the neighborhood council. And she was the only person who would tell me like, this is what it is. And this is the application if you want to sign up. And she told me like, uh, you know, the different positions and the best way to go about it. So she really gave me that explanation of what it is. And I just like decided to join. But, and then as I joined, I just was like, my goal is outreach. Like I want other people to know 
about this because it shouldn't have been so hard for me to have to know about it. And I'm sure other people don't know about it. That's so interesting. And I've that's something that I've always thought was the case in that there are things that exist mm-hmm. in our communities. There mm-hmm. are resources even that exist in our communities. Yes. But so many people don't know that they exist. Right. Yet they're being impacted by the decisions that are being made in these spaces, yes. the lack of decisions being made in these spaces. Mm-hmm. But people don't know. Here you were, college educated, coming back to your community and just now finding out some of this information. Right. That's really interesting. Yes. How do you feel now about, because I feel like now I'm hearing so much more about neighborhood councils um, versus what I may have heard years ago. It's even when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about neighborhood councils and their outreach now? I still feel like it could be better. Um, I do believe that they do more. I mean, I know we did a lot. Like when I was there, we were like running from meeting to meeting and really trying to change the system. And and that was really our goal was really to change how the neighborhood councils were run. Um, I became a part of Slank and uh, that's South Los Angeles Alliance of Neighborhood Councils. And so just really bridging all of that and talking to the elected officials, making the, making them understand that, we, our voices matter and that, that we understand what's going on in our community. And we need, we want to get that information to uh, the broader community and everyone who's making the the major decisions. Mm -hmm. And so that was just a big part of it. Like we matter. And I think now they're, they just still need to do more. I, I think that it, I don't want to say die down because that would be so. Well, I'll be honest. When I go to events, (laughs) I actually say I've actually had them outreach to me. That's good. And I've like I've literally been at park events or different events to say, hey, we're probably going to put council. We're going to be doing elections soon. We're going to be doing this soon. So I feel like they've been doing a lot more Mm -hmm. in the most in recent years. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And I'm I'm wondering if you have something to do with that or or people seeing more outreach and seeing more young people be involved. Yes. And um, I think that's a great thing that we have neighborhood councils be um, very involved involved. um, in the community and doing more outreach. And I think Mm -hmm. it's also great that this inspired you to even broaden your work yes, in the community. It did. And and honestly, the mayor's office reached out to me too. And they were like, how did you get your neighborhood council to be intergenerational like that? They were like, you have young people in your neighborhood council. Because I started a youth and education committee. And we also just were, you know, like, hey, you know, talking to just younger people. And they that's how the mayor's youth council, he started his council and started implementing. They actually created a seat for younger people on the neighborhood councils and just a lot of things like we did do a lot to make a lot of those changes happen. I still think they could do more, but in a lot of the outreach is still around elections. I want you to vote for me. So I just think that still there needs to be more on how powerful neighborhood councils really are. Mm. Like they could literally change legislation or help to change legislation. Like we were able to change legislation to get like the Culver city stairs to be funded. So like, Things like that, like you could really make an impact. Um, like a lot of like, my, like people were like, Daniel, what are you doing over there? Like, I have to come to your meeting. Like, like people's representatives, like elected officials, representatives, like, like I'm assigned to come to your meetings now. Like, and so I just know that there's such an impact that neighborhood councils can have. And it's not just with the city of Los Angeles, as people think. It's really with you know Everywhere. every branch of government. So there's such a power there and we could have so much more power. 
And that's what I would like to see. I love that you, though, just and I think that neighborhood councils are, are definitely doing what they can. And I, and, and I agree, we can all be doing more, mm-hmm. you know, and this isn't a critique of them. I think this is really all of us. And we're mm-hmm. and I think so many entities are trying to do more and they're working to do more. I, but as far as your work and the power of your voice, mm-hmm. I think that's significant here. Yeah, thank you. And I think that <laughs> um, what you've done is significant. Thank you. And the fact that you were able to take that experience mm-hmm. and launch that into more work. And <laughs> yes, I don't. Work. You're laughing because you're like, yeah, it's a lot of work. <laughs> you're like, girl, yeah. <laughs> But you're doing great things. Yes. And you, but you were also able to see what you were capable of. Right. As this girl who was in South LA who ain't know what was going on. He was like, you woke up one day, it was probably ticket on your window. Like, Like, I don't know what is happening. My neighbor's talking about they getting pushed out their apartments. There's housing issues. There's these impacts in our community. There's definitely, and I'm sure you can definitely see the connection between that and the economic. Mm-hmm. conditions that mm-hmm. we're facing in South LA. Right. And I would love for you to talk a little bit more about that because your organization, United Nation, is about addressing the wealth gap and the achievement gaps that exist here in South LA. I'm so curious to know how you how your experience here living here, also your experience coming back after college, mm-hmm. how that impacted your view on the economic gap and how you felt you needed to address that. Can you ask that again? Like, your experience, <laughs> your experience is growing up here. Mm-hmm. Your experience coming back here after you got your degree, and you was like, "Okay, I'm ready to make make it happen." Because I know we all felt like that. They told us go to college, right? Right, get that degree. degree. You don't get that money, right? So that's, that's what we all thought, right? We came back, <laughs> we thought. came right back to the hood, right? Right. And we was like, "Oh, there's still an economic gap that exists." Yes. So I'm yes. curious to know how that informs, how that also informed your work or even inspired your work. So for me, I love LA. Like just straight honest, like it's not somewhere like, you know, in the music, it's always like, you know, get, get out or get, you know, get your money and get out of LA or get out of the hood. Like I believe in get your money and come to the hood because we can all build each other. And I think that like, even what you're saying, like just having that understanding, being in the neighborhood councils, being in the community, everybody reached out and helped me in some way, you know, like even the older generation, right. They were teaching me so much. Like I learned so much, I guess, in such a short period of time, even stuff that I couldn't learn in college, you know? And so I really think that the work I've done or things that I've seen and how I could impact like economically um, I think it's that it's like we love our community. We want to see some changes and some growth, but that does not mean we want our full community to change. And so how do we bring the resources into our community, but also a collective resource within just the knowledge that is here? Like there's so much knowledge here. There's so many great people here. Like it's, I don't know, it's like just amazing to see and to know, like, you know, just going to Limerick Park or going, you know, Crenshaw and like the most of the people I was around were black people. Right. And people think like we're not doing great things or you hear all this negativity about us. But I'm like, no, like in L.A., like black people are great. Like we're doing great things. And, but again, to talk about how that it's still in a bubble, I guess, in to me, to build economic wealth in our community, that bubble, I guess, has to be popped. 
and we need to like share just like the knowledge, the resources, the um, information that we have. I love that because so much. I think so much of when we talk about South LA, we talk about it as though there's a deficit, right? And you're talking about the fact that we're actually an asset-rich community. We really are. And you are talking about building from those assets. Yes, I love that. Yeah. How do you feel United Nation does that? Um, I think it's just taking that, like taking that knowledge, taking all of like the resources and bringing them together. It's not that I have to fully, and I even started doing like, like, oh, let me create this. But I realized like, it's not that I have to create new things, right? There is so many people doing things. How do we bring those things together? And then how do we align them to give a holistic approach to bringing uh, awareness and resources to people? And working together. So that's what I really think. I think, and also just understanding, like a lot of us, like I had to research, you know, like also understanding what, like what wealth is and, and, you know, jobs and what this means. So it's just a lot of, I think also, it's really about knowledge because we have the resources here. It's just really about knowledge, sharing those resources and whoever, like I said, I went to college and came back. Like, I think we have to come back. We have to honor our community, love it. And it's, it's such, everybody else is trying to move here. So <laughs> like we need to be trying to move right. here. So what would you say are some of the biggest challenges and obstacles you see in addressing the wealth and achievement gaps in South LA and specifically the black community? You said the challenges? Mm-hmm. Well, I think a major challenge is us trying- I wish we had a camera on you because you make these faces. <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's cracking me up because you make <laughs> you make these faces sometimes that are really funny. And, and I wish I could really describe for the listeners. But because uh, you're like, girl. Like every, she, it's like these faces, it's not, they're not bad faces. It's like, girl, I really want to just let you know. Right, like, like, we got some Lord. challenges in front of us. We working. We working, but it's there. <laughs> I think like the a major challenge is just the resources leaving the community. Mm. I think uh, that's a very big challenge. Um, I'm not going to say which rapper came here, but it really annoyed me. Like he said, oh, T.I. But he, <laughs> like, he came so here. I'm not going to say which rapper, but, but T.I. Uh, but T.I. <laughs> He came here, I guess, when Nipsey Hussle passed away. He did like a YouTube about how he's going to his store and buying shirts and, you know, supporting the community, so to speak. And then says at the end of it, now give me back to Beverly Hills so I can get to my hotel. Oh, I didn't see this. Yes. And I was like, why would you like, why? Why did you feel the need to say you're from the hood, too? Like, why would you feel the need to say that? So that whole like giving that image that somewhere else is better than being here. But you're saying you're supporting here. You can't support here and then say, oh, I, I need to go somewhere else, though. So that whole thing, I think, of bringing back the resources and things into our community is us. We are our resource. And we need to, like, have that confidence and, like, support each other. And supporting each other, even when if you get mad at somebody. You know, like, a lot of times I might not agree with what you say and how you say it or what you do, but we have to find those common grounds. So I think that that's a big part of it is like still being able to get along through any disagreements and bringing business and resources together so that we can like have an overall benefit to our community. But like on the other scale of it, it's like 
we need more jobs, right? We need, but we need those jobs in the community. Like I shouldn't have to go. Like today I just went on the freeway and I'm like, I haven't had to go on the freeway in so long. I forgot there was traffic. Like, (laughs) but that's a blessing that I get to go down the street to, you know, to work. Right. And, you know, I have like a little hybrid car that I don't really have to use gas anymore. Like, and so I think like, just having these resources within our community. So jobs, we need home ownership. We need a knowledge and education. So our education system needs to get better. Like we all, that was why I started the youth, you know, much about youth because we need to all work together to make our schools better. So, and that's really the foundation. Like our schools need to have the education and it needs to be taught. We need to understand how our children need to be taught. It can't just be taught the way society has said, schools need to educate kids because that doesn't mean that's how black kids learn. We are creators. And so we need better uh, environments to create. And then our children will have the the better education. Right. Like what's in those books is knowledge that came from us. So why should we have to go back and read a book based on something we created? Right. So we need to do more creating and let other people read about what we, you know, like what we create. And so the I needs really of think our community are we, different. So and the, the things needs, that exactly. our children should be learning should be benefiting our community. Should benefit our community. And so that that is so important, I think, to the economic growth and then understanding like the opportunity opposites the opposites of economic growth and economic development is poverty so we need to understand what that means what is poverty i remember like one lady she's like you have a poverty mindset i'm like what you're not like no i don't but i went to research i'm like yes i do like it's like (laughs) but it took it took time for me to like get to that where it's like certain things we learned keep us in poverty and certain things that have been ingrained into us that we didn't know we learned. So it's like a lot of unlearning and relearning. And that's what's going to get us to economic growth as opposed to like that poverty mindset and moving in that. When you say poverty mindset, it makes me think about what we were talking about just a few minutes ago around maybe even seeing ourselves as a deficit, right? Mm. Seeing ourselves as something's one wrong with us, mm-hmm. something's wrong with me, right? Something's wrong with our community, as opposed to seeing, well, what do we have, right? Instead of saying, well, I have a broken family, but you know what? I have my grandma. Yes, I have elders in my community. Yes. I, instead of saying, well, we have you know all these negative things, we have blight in our community. No, we have I have graffiti in my own. Well, actually, we have, we have art. artists in our exactly. community, right? Or we have too many kids who want to play sports. Well, actually, we have. Kids who understand physics better than anybody else because they use physics in their bodies, exactly. right? And sports is has it's, a lot of transitional skills. I've, I've track, so, so many transitional, <laughs> right? Because you did 40, 400 meters. Yeah, I, I, girl, I told you I'd be doing my research. You thought yes, I was playing. I uh, it always surprises people when they get come on the oh show and God. I start spitting out new facts they didn't know. Right. I'd be reading people's. Uh, annual reviews and all that oh, stuff. Wow. I, yeah, I do my research. Yeah, I That's know you good. did the 400 meter. <laughs> yeah, so there's so many, trans, like you said, transitional skills, mental health, right? Mm-hmm. Our kids are very talented, right. but we'll see them as our kids are just bad in our community. Right. So I, when you say poverty mindset, I think of not just economics. Mm-hmm. I think of the fact that we see ourselves as a problem. Mm-hmm. We don't say... We always say, you know, what's wrong with us? Yeah, right. As opposed to saying (laughs) what happened to us and how do we address this and use the resources we already have to address it. Right. 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 And And the labels we give ourselves. Yes. Like people, like I've been told I'm bossy when I was a kid. You're bossy. But why didn't you tell me I was a leader? Mm. So those things that I had to transition in my mind, like Mm -hmm. I'm a leader. And like someone told me that, like you're a leader. I'm like, what? 
I am. And even community organizer, somebody's like, cool. So as a community organizer, because they, they label me a community organizer. I'm like, what is that? You know, I had to go and Google a community organizer. Like, I didn't know that's what I was doing this whole time. So, like, it's just like when you give those positive labels, it changes. It changes things. So, it's like yes. you all this time you had a superpower and didn't know it. And, and trying to hide know it because I'm like, I don't want to seem bossy. I don't want to seem bossy. Like that's so that's so significant because you think about it when we think about superheroes when they first discover they have a superpower and they don't really know how to use it. They're a little detrimental, mm-hmm. right? They right, start destroying you... <laughs> things. They blasting things. They don't know what they're doing. Right. So they try to hide it. Even. Yeah. Oh, no, I don't want people to know. But it also ultimately becomes self-destructive when they do that. Right. Until they get a mentor. They're a mm-hmm. part of something that teaches them how to harness that power. Right. It's like, oh, no, you're actually a superhero that can save people, mm. that can support their communities, that can actually help people thrive. Right. So when you transition from... You know, this belief that you were bossy into, wait a minute, I have a superpower that can transform communities. Mm. You became a community organizer. You created something called United Nation. Right. And now you are helping young people. You are helping people get housing. Mm-hmm. You are helping people get jobs. Mm-hmm. You are a transformer. That is a beautiful thing. <laughs> that really is. <laughs> I love that. Let's talk some more about the work that you're doing with United Nation. What are yes. some of the programs you have? I know you just opened the Nehemiah Community House. Yeah, Nehemiah House. Nehemiah House. Yes. We took the community part out. but Oh, you did? Yeah. <laughs> when I did my research, word. that was still up. Right, sorry. <laughs> so Nehemiah House, talk to yes. me about that. So Nehemiah House, so I'm a I'm a Christian. I believe in God. I'm a follower of Christ. Like, um, you know, I pray every day. I believe like I'm guided by God to do a lot of the things that I do. And so Nehemiah is actually like a prophet. And the goal of Nehemiah is to rebuild and repair what has been lost or yeah, pretty much what has been lost. And so Nehemiah worked with the government to to get resources to repair and build a wall so that he could protect his community. And so and it also brought in other people. It was also building, bringing in people, organizing people and restructuring and kind of like giving everybody a fresh start. So that's really what we think of when we have Nehemiah House. And so in that, we try to give everybody like it doesn't matter your background or like we are housing first. Like our motto is housing first, you know, and then we can work on those other things that that are needed. But a lot of the times it's like what I've experienced is I've, my background has always been working in reentry, which is people who are coming out of incarceration, also working in the juvenile halls and camps and also um, gang prevention and youth development. So like a lot of that's my background. And what I noticed when I was doing that, a lot of the people, young people or people that I worked with didn't have housing. So they would come out and not have housing. And then I'm like trying to find housing for them. And then there was all these restrictions to getting them into housing. So my thing was, how about I remove the restrictions, let people get into housing, then people grow from there. So it's kind of like meet people where they are. Mm-hmm. And then in that, I developed the HEAL program, which is a healthy lifestyle living program, which talks about six pillars of health. So it really focuses on mental, physical, emotional, relational, spiritual um, health and bringing those things together and financial health. So you need all those things to really grow within yourself before you can even get to like, I'm talking about college and career and you know, all of those focuses. But how are you eating? Are you drinking your water every day? How are you those basic needs? Yeah. Met? How are your basic needs met? So like, you know, wake up every day, you drink your water. 
every day? You know, like, are we showering every day? Like just those basic things that that help you in your mental health. And like I, like we were talking about, like I ran track. So I danced, ran track. And I guess I was good at it. Like, <laughs> so like I, I, you know, I became an All-American and, you know, scholar, full scholarship to college. So I kind of understand, you know, physical, physical health and how that relates to your mind. And so the things that we eat, how we move our body, that all relates to our mental health. And so even our environment, I drive down, like, we don't have enough trees. And I, and oh my God, it's crazy. Cause when I was younger, I would get mad at them for talking about trees, but now I'm like, we need more trees in our community. Like, just like less rest, like less fast food on our blocks, but more healthy eating. So just all of those things that we implement into our housing facility and just help our, our clients, our participants understand how everything is kind of interrelated and then how, you know, we create our own structure so that we can, you know, grow in life and in society. How many people are housed in Nehemiah House? So we have, we can house up to 24 people. We're remodeling. So we have a few, uh, we're not at 24 at capacity right now. So we're looking to um, bring in more of our clients. But yeah, so we're remodeling right now and we can house up to 24 people. And those who are in the housing, are they also getting other services? Yes. So we partner with other organizations that provide them therapy, counseling, food. We also do like a monthly event where we're teaching them like journaling and, you know, healthy eating habits. And I bring them like drinks and juices from different places and just ask them like, how did that make you feel? You know, and a lot of them feel like, oh my God, my brain feels different. Like just things like that, that I'm helping them in real life to see and transform. So and so you have Nehemiah House and you have other programs. Yes. What are some of the other programs that you have? So the Healthy Lifestyle Living Program. So that's the fo- program that's focused on six pillars of health. And then we have what we call the Power Program. And that program is more college and career and professional development. Um, and then within that, I dance. So I also teach dance and then I teach exercise. How do you have time? Like you, you teach teaching Don't them? Ask me. <laughs> On top of running the organization, on top of starting community housing, on top of like, and you're teaching the class yourself? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Well, I just hired a program coordinator. Thank God. Okay. okay. I just hired a program coordinator. And she's really into health and fitness as well. And she dances as well, too. And so her name is Taj. And so she's been really great. And we're developing a workbook. And in that workbook, it's really going to go through all of the things that we're talking about. And then the, the our clients, our participants can actually have this workbook that they can really go through in, in workshops with us and on their own. So it's really great. And you know, so she'll be leading the workshops. Okay. And we're going through our grant. We're we're really growing, actually, and trying to hold on to the growth. It's, it's okay. really great. <laughs> okay. Are there more programs? Um, well, we have the Brilliant Imagination Program, too. So that's uh, that was so the Power and Brilliant Imagination Program we mostly just did with youth. Um, but now we're trying to figure out how to implement that with because our housing facility, we do like transition age youth. We also do men and women of every age. So just figuring out how to implement a lot of those those two programs into the housing. But Brilliant Imagination may just stay for youth. OK. Yeah. Wow. And what's so funny is I know in your mind, there are more programs you want to do and you're just figuring out how to get the money to do them. Am oh, I, am I lying? Yes. I'm yes. not lying. Yeah. There's am. my advocacy is on. Oh, I'm not lying. No, you're not lying. <laughs> okay. I'm like you started it. I'm like, well, yes. <laughs> it's really about like, I, I also uh, fight like capacity building and I really am trying to create what's called black led and really 
have something where we're working together, getting funding together and doing some of this work together. So that's a big part of another program that I'm creating. Not sure if it's going to be within United Nation or separate, but that's something it's that's more, more things that you're working on. Yes. Okay. But you are <laughs> one of our Council District 8 Reimagine Fund community grantees. Yes. And we would love to know what are the ways that that grant has helped, uh, what are the ways that that grant has helped your work? That grant was great. Like it helped because we worked with um, the capacity builders. Um, um, everybody was great. You know, like we had to learn so much. I love learning. So I guess that's like a big thing to me. Like if there's a way like we can really learn something to make ourselves better, then that's that's the money is important. We need money. But that's important. But the growth um, is what we really were able to experience from the process. And so even from then, I've been able to get so many more grants. Um, just, because part of the process, you were able to actually take some classes and learning classes. how to yes. understand grant writing and yes. things like that, right? Yes. So, yes. And and it's crazy because you do those things throughout, but you need them in different phases of your organization. So, like, before I took grant writing and financial classes and things like that, but that's when I didn't have any money. You know, like <laughs> I didn't have any grants at that time. So I do feel like you have to take those classes again when you actually have a budget. So now you're creating your budgets and your finances. So they really took us through like like four or five hours, but it was great. Like hours of sitting there, but like um, Fran, yes, Fran. So Fran she, Jamont. yes, she really was like, like her attitude. I was like, at first, like, oh my God. But like later I'm like, no, like we needed that. You know, like sometimes you need that firm, strong hand on you. That's like, no, this is what you need to do. Like, and you're trying to make excuses and like, no, no one cares about your excuses. Like you need that sometimes. Cause it's like, you're right. <laughs> I got to figure this out. Um, but sometimes I'm still a fighter for smaller organizations. And I still feel like some of those processes need to change as far as grant and philanthropy. I'm still advocate on that. But at the same time, you do have to understand the processes in which you have to go through. And so we really learned a lot of that. And that's what I really loved about being um, a grant recipient. Um, and then they were with us the whole way. Like we could call them and like, okay, so, okay, how do what? Huh? And they're like, no. This is not it. <laughs> Send that back. So like it was it was a great process. I mean, it wasn't let me take it back. I was mad at the process. <laughs> However, in the end, it was a great process because we were able to really develop things that we really needed for the future. So it was it was basically it was a, it was a little tough. Yeah. But it was tough. what you needed. Yes. And that's what it sounds like you're yes. saying. <laughs> yeah, it was tough as heck, but we needed that. And it, you feel like and this is something that's going to help you in the long run. Yes. And how did the funds help you? What were you able to do with the money? Oh, so I was able to actually keep a salary for myself. So with smaller organizations like mine, a lot of us are volunteers, right? And so the larger organizations usually get all the funding. And so we don't usually get the funding. We're from the community, in the community. We understand what we need. But at the same time, we're always having to prove ourselves. And so I like that this grant didn't make us prove ourselves in that way. It's like we know that you guys are the community leaders. However, you do need to learn these these little, these these the way that they do things. Um, but they they recognized us as the community leaders. And I, I love that about that grant. So they were able to help me like keep a salary for myself um, and then also hire. So that's how now I'm able to hire my program coordinator. And so it's it, it, it keeps me being able to keep moving, but also take steps back to um, really create 
what I really want to see, like bring my vision fully to pass as opposed to like being able to just do bits and pieces here and there. Like I'm able to like really go all in. That's important because it's not sustainable if you can't also take care of yourself. If you're just volunteering. Right. Even though it's your organization. Yeah. Then you're not able to take care of yourself. It's not, it's not sustainable. Right. Then your organization won't be here the next year to, to be able to support the community. Right. And now you're able to hire somebody else to support you do, as you do this work. Yes. That is beautiful. <laughs> yes. And I, I definitely, I know people are listening. They're like, well, how can I learn more? How can I support your organization? How can I be a part of this movement? I want to help uh, support Danielle. I can hear the passion in her voice. I know this is important work. How can they support you? Um, uh, support. Uh, so our website is www.uniteanation.org. Um, and just like helping out volunteering will be really, really great. Sending donations. Like I said, we're remodeling our facility. We want to make sure, you know, we give everybody the best living space. Um, so helping out with our remodeling would be really, really great. Um, other donations and funding to our organization would be really, really great. So we can serve more people. Yeah. And you're a 501c3, so yes. you're tax deductible. <laughs> yes. So your donations are tax deductible. Yes. If you're a, a business or someone that wants to donate, you don't have to worry. You can get that back in your taxes as right. well. <laughs> yes. um, is there, if people want to learn more about your programs, they also go to your website? Yes, you can go to my website. Um, you can learn about our programs. You can donate there and you can get involved. There's a button to say get involved as well. Um, yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Danielle Lafayette. We are so proud of you being from the community and doing the work that you're doing. And I know I'm excited that you're doing the work that you're doing because we need more people from our community, Mm -hmm. as many people as possible. And if you're listening, I hope you feel as inspired as I am listening to Danielle. We need as many people as possible, definitely pulling from our assets and our resources, pulling them together and helping to grow here because I think so many times people think they have to go somewhere else or beg everybody else from outside of our community. Not saying we can't use those resources. Right. Of we course need we them. can. We need them all. But we have them. <laughs> exactly. But we also have resources have here. Yes. You are a resource. And we appreciate you. <laughs> Thank you so much. This was really fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to MHD Off The Record. And special thank you to Felicia the Poetess Morris of Morris Media Studios in Lamert Park. For more information, please visit MHDCD8.com and follow at MHDCD8 on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Don't forget to rate us five stars, subscribe, and share with a friend.